0: The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yo!
1: (laughs) Off and running. Welcome in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Pardon me. Always good to have a clear your throat moment, Roger, right at the beginning of the radio show. <laughs> I just had one of those. Hey, welcome in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau go with the home team. Uh, as I told you a little bit yesterday on the show, the uh, Farm Bureau studio for me. Uh, we loaded it up in the car. It almost sounded like I was going to say we loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly, didn't it? No, uh, we loaded up the car and brought it with us here to the beautiful Gulf Coast of Alabama where it rained on us a little bit yesterday, not too bad. But we got some beach time in there, a little sun and surf, if you want to call it that, and lots of swimming pool and lots of lounging around and being lazy ate some good food. Isn't that what uh, vacation is supposed to be about? right uh lots of good food and <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah so um uh that's uh, the situation just like yesterday here on the show I can open these curtains right behind me uh if the window would open I would open it and see if you could actually hear um uh those waves behind us you probably would be able to and we're in a spot where there's not a lot of other people too so you you wouldn't get a lot of the the, the tourist noise um I don't think, other than me. That that may be the definition of this show, tourist noise, <laughs> uh, for this week anyway. But uh, appreciate you tuning in and staying connected to you down here because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Lots coming your way on today's show, 52 days from August the 31st. That's where we are. 52 days from August the 31st, and so as we do this countdown of 100 teams, counting it down, we're at team number 52, and team number 52, it's not a team that is normally on your radar. It's not a team that you're thinking a lot about, and you may not throughout the year, but there's a very interesting story there, and I always love kind of going back and researching and either learning or you know, relearning, uh, becoming rehearsed and reversed in college football history. And it has a very interesting history. So that's a little bit of a tease for team number 52 and the countdown of 100 teams coming up. Also, uh, I put a thing out there on Twitter last night. It's just a thought I had. and You know, I I, I think it's what you do is this time of year, if you're a football fan in the southeast, you start getting hungry for football. And when you do that, especially if you're on vacation like me, and you have time to think. (laughs) Uh, and your world's not spinning too fast in that hamster wheel around you, you have time to kind of reflect on games in the past you really enjoyed watching. and You know, that's what I thought, is if I could list out the classic college games, classic SEC games that I wish that they would show on the SEC network where I could watch it again. What would those be? And I came up with a list of my five. I tweeted it. If you want to read that, you can go check it out at Radio Wyatt on Twitter, at Radio Wyatt. And a lot of responses. I also put it on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. And a lot of responses over there on Facebook, too, The other people saying, well, this is the one I would like, or this is my list. And so I want to get into a little bit of that because there's some cool stuff in there. I'll tell you the games that I came up with that I wish I could see on replay, classic games that stood out and why – There's a lot that were uh, tweeted and posted that I didn't think about and hadn't thought about in a lot of years that I thought, oh boy, yeah, it'd be great to see that one again. So I'll give you uh, some of the ones that were posted. You do have some baseball in the news because you had the all-star game last night, albeit it was uh, somewhat of a a clown show slash real snoozer. Pitchers dominated the best pitchers in the game. And, you know, you had in-game interviews, the guys mic'd up, I'm not really sure what purpose that serves and all that kind of stuff. And then we're going to talk about road trips this year in the SEC. I you know, everybody has their reasons for trips that they enjoy on the road. Like if you follow a team and every year, every other year you get to go to this particular stadium or this particular town, it's a little different for me cuz I'm not loading up my family and going and making a weekend out of it, which would be a lot of fun. It's more of a work trip for me, you know, but I do get to fly with the team and go broadcast the games and it's a real privilege. And I have certain road trips that I look forward to. And i got a couple of those actually happening this year. So we're going to talk about favorite road trips uh, coming up. That's all coming up on the show. Just a little bit of a tease there to start you off here um, on this Tuesday. Well, no, Tuesday is not Tuesday. It Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. <laughs> it's a vacation. All right, uh, some ways for you to be a part of the show. You can text me on the text line at 885-ESPN. The Davinny Equipment phone line is open to you. Davinny Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Kubota, the big orange fleet, mowers, tractors, all kinds of equipment. And they are absolutely the brand that you need to consider if you haven't already. Um, Talking with Bruce back when we did the show there a month or two ago, I I think it was two months ago, it might have been one month, it all kind of runs together. But I do remember him saying that he'd never had a time where he got someone to try the Kubota maybe that that hadn't or hadn't considered it already, that they didn't come away saying, yeah, that's actually the one that I need. So give Kubota an opportunity, and if you do that, go to Davini in Madison and in Jackson. You can check them out online at com. And, of course, uh, you can tweet me at Radio Wyatt. Thanks to everybody who tweeted yesterday, Jason and everybody else. Got those, really cool. Stay connected to you, uh, even though – Schedules are a little bit different this time of year. Just a reminder, this time in one week, one week from today, uh, you'll be you'll be listening to me kind of wrapping up my uh, broadcasting from SEC Media Days this time next week. Um, but it will be Mississippi State's day on Wednesday of next week in Hoover. It actually goes Monday through Thursday. I'll be there Monday through Wednesday unless something pops up. And uh, so you have that to look forward to also. So kind of you know, make that mental note. Next week's show is going to sound a little different because we'll be on Radio Row at uh, the hotel, first floor of the hotel there where they're having SEC Media Days in Hoover. That's coming up. Speaking of that, every year it seems like at SEC Media Days, the big draw for them is Nick Saban, right? Obviously. Last year they moved SEC Media Days over to Atlanta And, um, you know, everyone knew that as time goes on, they're going to move that thing around a little bit, maybe, you know, experiment with different places because they're trying to expand their footprint there in the SEC. They want more fans and more places to become SEC fans. It just means, um, you know, a bigger following, means more viewers on your TV channel, more viewers on your games, you know, that whole thing. So, in the future – We don't know for sure, but in the future, I think they're considering holding SEC media days in places like Dallas and, you know, others. So we'll see if that actually does happen. Last year, the first time in a long time that they deviated from Birmingham, they went to Atlanta. Mixed reviews. I mean, it's a media event. It's not like you have fans there, but a lot of the media were kind of separated. Anyway, it's just a different setup. This year it's back in Hoover. Every year – that SEC Media Days is in Hoover, Nick Saban is the big draw. Whenever Alabama comes to Media Days and Saban rolls up in there, um, flashing light bulbs, <laughs> you know, cameras all around following him, every media outlet in Alabama, it seems like, needs to get a glimpse, an original picture, or capture some video to take back and show their people and say, see, we were in the same room with Nick Saban. We, we're big time. And also... It's the the, the biggest fan crowd. They allow fans to kind of come into the lobby area of the hotel there. It used to be the Winfrey. Now it's something else there at the Galleria Mall in Hoover. But they allow fans to come in. They're in a roped-off area. They can't get on the escalator and go up there to the media deal. And, you know, they can't walk through there without a credential and go down media row. Radio row. But they can stand there, and if Nick Saban comes down the escalator, they can get a glimpse, and they can yell and scream, maybe even catch an autograph. I don't know. So the Alabama fans show up. That's one of the stories. He's one of the big draws at Media Days, and will be next week in Hoover. And I just wonder if he's going to get asked about this. This is a piece of audio that popped up yesterday – The place that I saw it on Twitter was from Pat Smith. I've told you about Pat in the past. Pat is a longtime Birmingham radio guy. He was one of the original producers for the Paul Feinbaum Show, and it was based out of Birmingham. When Paul made the move up to the SEC Network in Charlotte, Pat remained in Birmingham, and now he works for WJOX. I don't know if it's a full-time thing, but I know he does work on the shows there. He's a producer for the – Midday show there, the three-man front show, and does some on-air stuff as well. It's a really nice guy. He's a really sharp guy. Anyway, so Pat discovered this, and maybe it's a podcast that he follows, but he got the audio. So that's where I saw it. Y'all can find him on Twitter, Pat Smith. This is audio that he uncovered from a podcast in the Dallas area. It's called Your Turn with a guy who hosts it named Corby Davidson. Corby Davidson in the Your Turn podcast. And they interviewed former University of Texas regent. I guess, you know, he's one of these guys that way on up there. Uh, Tom Hicks. It's a man named Tom Hicks, uh, former University of Texas regent. I'm going to play you the audio. This was on Twitter. A conversation with former University of Texas regent Tom Hicks. Here's that audio.
0: Talking about the Saban stories, we had a call uh, from his agent. So another regent and I had the conversation with uh, Saban's agent, and he said, you know, Saban is uh, uh, is probably five or six years ago at this point, but he said, if Saban was a business guy, he's what you would call a turnaround artist. He's not a long-term CEO. He likes to go someplace, fix it. Move and win and go on, and he—he's like his. He knows he'll never catch Bear Bryant's legacy in Alabama, but he'd like to create it, his legacy that he won more national championships at more schools than anybody else. And he's already done it at uh, LSU. He's already done it at Alabama. He knows he can win the national championship at Texas. He knows he can't. And uh, so I went to see Mac uh, two days later. We had lunch and I thought at the time, Mac was ready to leave. He'd been telling people he was gonna leave. And so I said, Mac, uh, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with Jimmy Sexton. I said, uh, if, you want to, if you want to retire, I think you can graciously have Nick Saban come in and take your place It could be your idea. And that might be a nice way for you to end it. And boy, Mac Brown turned bright, Red, he, I think mm. steam started coming out of his ears, and he said, "That guy's not coming here and win S chip with my players." And he, I said, "Mac, i am glad to see you have that passion. I didn't think you had that passion left." So that's what started the Nick Saban story. But uh, did it end right there, though? I mean, we got to some. Yeah, of you. well, it, it yeah. Cause we, I called the agent back, said Mac, and yeah. I told him if if this if isn't Mac's idea, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so I, I said, it's
1: to That is Tom Hicks, former University of Texas regent, on the Your Turn podcast with Corby Davidson, the host. Now, one thought as I was listening to that, and, and I wonder if you thought the same. Can you imagine the influx of listeners on this guy's podcast out there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in the last 24 hours 48 hours can you imagine the influx of Alabama fans who've now gone to go listen to that whole thing (laughs) um I I would promise you whatever numbers his podcast was doing in terms of downloads and listens on average it's way above average now after that audio leaking out that you've got a former Texas regent talking about them courting or, or at least talking with Nick Saban's agent who is Jimmy Sexton I'd love to know what you think about that. I got a couple of thoughts other than the boosted analytics on the Your Turn podcast, I assure you, with Corby Davidson. Congrats to him. It was a really sounded like a fantastic interview. A couple things on that. So, Mac Brown was calling all the shots at Texas. Were you aware of that? I'm not sure that I was aware of that. And, and when I say aware, I'm not even sure that I was aware that that happens that much. And I guess I started to think about that context of, you know, why is it a situation where back in whenever whatever year this was, 2012, why was it a situation where the sitting head football coach, who things were unraveling around in terms of on the field, why was that coach allowed to say who – is hired, who can come and who can't come, who the school can and can't court as the next guy. That to me is, I, I guess it's reality if the coach has won a national championship, but it's hard for me to imagine a situation where decision makers at a school, a president, an AD, along with regents or boosters or board members or whoever, they're not the ones in charge. <laughs> But it sounded to me like, according to former Texas Regent Tom Hicks, that Mac Brown, who was the coach at the time, was totally in charge. Number one of whether or not he was going to leave or stay, and number two, who they were going to go after once he did leave. Uh, that is interesting to me. It, in his In his early years at Texas, they used to call Mac Brown Coach February. Do y'all remember that? I remember that. And you got to go way back. I mean, you're talking about the late 90s. You know, my junior year of college was 1998, the year that we at Mississippi State won the Western Division. We got to play in the SEC Championship game in Atlanta. And our bowl game at the end of the year was the Cotton Bowl, the original old Cotton Bowl, before it moved to the new Jerry's World. We played out in the old Cotton Bowl Stadium down there in Dallas. And we played Texas. Mack Brown was the head coach. Major Applewhite was his quarterback. I got to play in that game some. Um, I guess, actually, it was my one time to ever um, be a part of a scoring drive in a bowl game. Uh, We we had a touchdown drive late in that game and threw a touchdown pass to a guy named Lahidi Grant, great guy from Dora, Alabama, caught a touchdown pass for us. The game was out of hand at that point because Ricky Williams ran all over us. We had a really good defense. and. Well documented that after you lose an SEC championship game that you feel like you should have won, it's hard to go get up and get sky high to go play anybody. I mean, even Texas, but that's neither here nor there. I just, what I'm, the point is Mac was coaching back then at Texas and, and early on, it was all about recruiting. They called him coach February because he brought in those recruiting classes. And, um, then, you know, everybody felt like they should be playing for national championships every year. They finally get around to winning one in 2005. And I guess after winning that one, or was it the 04? Yeah, it was the 04 season they, and 05 title game. After that, I guess he's got just kind of like, I don't know. He's You bring him a championship, then we just hand the program over to you because according to Tom Hicks, Mac Brown was calling all the shots. The other thing is. According to him, Nick Saban's agent, Jimmy Sexton, comes to Texas. This is four or five years ago. And when all that was going on, the possibility of Saban to Texas rumors, and is saying, hey, look, Saban is more of a turnaround artist. He's not your long-term CEO. He knows he's never going to catch Bear Bryant's legacy at Alabama. And so... He knows he can win a national championship at Texas. And he would like to be known as the guy who won more national championships at more schools than anybody else. What do you think about that? You know, number one, part of me is skeptical. Now, hang on. Part of me is skeptical, and I think the reason that part of me is skeptical is because I don't know if I can always trust anything that comes out of a sports agent's mouth. I mean, if you think about that context, they're not talking directly with Sabin. Nick Saban didn't say, according to this guy, I want to win more national championships at different schools than anybody else. It's being told to them by his agent. Well, what is Jimmy Sexton's main priority in all this? I mean, seriously, what do you think it is? Is is Jimmy Sexton's priority Nick Saban's legacy long-term, 20, 30 years from now when they're all dead? No. I, I think his priority is to keep moving the pieces around and parlaying the pieces. He can move enough around. They all get parlayed into bigger contracts, more long-term contracts, and it's more money for him. I've never met Jimmy Sexton. I, I'm sure a lot of them are – they're not bad people by any stretch. Uh, they can be trusted, apparently, by a lot of great coaches. He does a He's at the foremost in his field, but the old joke of, hey, it got cold, so cold one time somebody saw a, a sports agent with his hands in his own pocket. <laughs> and, you know, it would just give you the indication. I mean, it's about landing that next big-time mammoth contract for the number one coach in college football, and a huge percentage of that is going to go to Jamie Sexton. So that's the, the other thing that kind of stands out to me. I don't know if I can – necessarily trust it the other thing is how do you think the alabama fans feel about this hearing that seeing that that it was apparently saban and his bunch reaching out to texas how do you think they feel about it (laughs) according to tom hicks the former texas regent saban via his agent reached out to texas and Mac Brown, the coach at the time, who was on the way out, shut it down. You believe that? I, I, it almost sounds a little bit far-fetched. I'm not accusing him of lying, but it sounds far-fetched to me. Stick around. show I love the bands love the bands get you fired up for a little football there okay so um a few messages people want to hear the audio again okay <laughs> I'll play it for you again coming up here the uh, Tom Hicks former Texas Regent audio talking about Nick Saban and Jimmy Sexton wanting to come to Texas a few years ago So uh, I'll give you that coming up. And then we'll move into the countdown of 100 teams. How about that? I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. The thing about Farm Bureau, I have uh, Farm Bureau handling all of my family's insurance, um, home, auto, and life. What I like about it is I have a Farm Bureau agent who is local, who I have known for years. We've become friends um it's not really a yeah, I mean technically it is a business relationship, but you know, it, it's not that anymore. Now we're just friends and it's something that's there that I can trust. It's a person I can trust, it's somebody I know who if something happens, I'm just gonna call him up any time of night or day and say, Hey man, I need you and he'll be there. And that's the way it is with Farm Bureau. That's my experience, it's the way it is with many others. I encourage you to give the home team a chance, Farm Bureau. Okay, here it is. Um, Played this for you earlier. The Your Turn podcast with Corby Davidson out in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he interviewed former University of Texas regent Tom Hicks.
0: We talked about the Saban stories. So yeah. We had a call uh, from his agent, so another regent and I had the conversation with uh, Saban's agent, and he said, you know, Saban is uh, <clears throat> uh, and so This is probably five or six years ago at this point, but he said, if Saban was a business guy, he's what you would call a turnaround artist. He's not a long-term CEO. He likes to go someplace, fix it, move and win and go on. And he, he's like his, he knows he'll never catch Bear Bryant's legacy in Alabama, but he'd like to create it, his legacy that he won more national championships at more schools than anybody else. He's already done it at uh, LSU, he's already done it at Alabama. He knows he can win the national championship at Texas. He knows he can't. And uh, so I went to see Mac, uh, two days later, we had lunch. And I thought at the time Mac was ready to leave. He'd been telling people he's gonna leave. And so I said, Mac, uh, I wanna tell you about a conversation I had with Jimmy Sexton. I said, uh, if you want if you wanna retire, I think you can graciously have Nick Saban come in and take your place. It could be your idea and that might be a nice way for you to end it." And boy, Mac Brown turned bright red, he, I think mm. steam started coming out of his ears and he said, that guy's not coming here and winning that ship with my players. And he, I said, Mac, I'm glad to see you have that passion. I didn't think you had that passion left. So that's what started the Nick Saban story. but. Uh, did it end right there, though? I mean, we got some. Yeah, of you- well, it, it yeah, because we, I called the agent back, said Mac. and yeah. I told him if 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 this is Max's idea, it's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, uh, and so I, I said it's not going to happen.
1: That's that conversation. The uh, host Corby Davidson in the Your Turn podcast. He's in that Dallas area, in his interview with Tom Hicks, the former Texas Regent. That came across my Twitter feed yesterday from Pat Smith. He's a part of the crew there, the three-man front show on WJOX in Birmingham. And uh, he tweeted that audio, so hats off to him for finding it. You know, again, there's just so much there, so many layers, so many things to kind of sift through and and, and try to understand. You know, you 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 can't take everything that you hear that is handed to you second third or fourth hand and uh you can't take everything for face value you know uh, everybody's got motivation sometimes the agent his motivation might be a little different than what the coach is and but he's using a certain i don't know angle to try to get what the coach wants you know you have to consider that but the other thing to me that i didn't discuss earlier on this uh I mentioned, you know, Mac Brown supposedly having the power, according to this guy, a Texas regent, Mac Brown supposedly having the power as the sitting football coach, but ultimately outgoing and everyone knew it at that time, to just Nix anything. Or maybe there's a pun in there somewhere, but to drop the hammer on this idea of Nick Saban replacing him having that power, I I touched on that. The other thing is maybe it gives you insight into the uh, mind of a big-time football coach that for some of them maybe it really is about him and not so much about the school, right? Like if you think about if that is true, if what Tom Hicks says in that conversation on the Your Turn podcast is true, it means that at the end, after winning a national championship there and coaching for a decade and a half there and and all that kind of stuff, after all that time, fifteen years or more that he spent there, I mean I could look it up, you know, to see exactly how many years he did coach at Texas. But let's just call it fifteen years it was close to that. That still if that's true, it says to me that for Mac Brown, it was still a little bit about him and not necessarily about Texas. <clears throat> yeah, he was there for 15 years, 98 to 2013. I mean, if Mac Brown in 2011 and 12, when these conversations might have been going on about Nick Saban replacing him, if Mac Brown's priority was Texas football, first and foremost. If he was looking out for them number one, wouldn't he have been happy for them to whenever he decided if they're telling him you can leave when you want, but when you do we want save it or hey you can step away now and retire and bring him in to replace and whatever um if Mac Brown and his priority totally were Texas football and he knows he's on the way out. Why wouldn't he want Texas to have Nick Saban? He knows Saban would go there and win. But instead his reaction, according to this guy, was he's not coming here and winning a national championship with my players. Really? If that's true, I don't know that it is. I mean, we're hearing it from one side of the story. If that is true, I mean, how selfish can you be? I mean, as a football coach, my players, if you're not going to coach them, wouldn't you want your players to win? (laughs) A place you've been coaching for 15 years? That's an interesting thing. He's not coming here to win a national championship with my players. I mean, if that is true, I have news for you. That's very selfish. That's a me me me. Mac Brown's now the head coach at North Carolina. He got the job. He spent 5 years, 6 years, whatever it is on television as an analyst, as a studio guy. This will be his first year as the head coach at North Carolina. Interesting stuff. Did you know that Mac Brown at one time coached at Southern Miss? Yep seventy five seventy six and seventy seven Mac Brown was the wide receivers coach on the staff at the University of southern Mississippi He sure was true story that's a true story hey coming up uh we'll do that countdown i think i i pushed it back a segment on you there, but uh, we'll do that um, we'll take a look at um, team number fifty two it is from a power five conference. And it does have an interesting story. That's coming up next on the show here in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team and staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. Stick around. on the show what's up i'm matt in the foreign bureau studio foreign bureau go with the home team that's lsu by the way a minute ago i played you uh dynamite from vanderbilt this is lsu's fight song bringing you back in the lsu fighting tigers good stuff okay um. As promised, we're continuing a countdown of 100 teams in the uh, final 100 days leading up to the start of the college football season. And let's jump on into team number 52 right now from the Big Ten Conference: the Wildcats of Northwestern. <laughs> At this point, we've listened to so many different fight songs; they all start to kind of sound alike. So that's the Northwestern fight song, the Northwestern Wildcats from the Big Ten this season. They are going to um, they're going to begin the season out of conference on the road in 52 days on August 31st at Stanford. So um, a battle of the academicians, (laughs) Stanford versus Northwestern. Week two, they'll be out of conference and play UNLV. And then they jump into conference play in week three of the season against Michigan State. You know, in the Big Ten, they play nine conference games. Instead of eight, they play nine conference games in the Big Ten. That means they only have three non-conference. And so for Northwestern this year, at Stanford in week one, host UNLV. And then their other non-conference is UMass on Saturday, November 16th, way back in the last month of the year. So they jump into conference play week three. Um, It's just another reason. Well, you know, you look at a Big Ten schedule, you think, boy, wouldn't it be cool if every SEC team had that extra game in there against an SEC team, SEC opponent. And, you know, a lot of coaches and ADs and others aren't too fond of that idea, but fans sure would love it, and it might help you with your ticket sales stuff. But anyway, that's another conversation for um, another day. If you look back at uh, last season for Northwestern, they had a really strong finish. They, They had a first month of the year, though, that was just really rough probably had their heads spinning a little bit, at least in terms of Northwestern fans. Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach there, the former player, who kind of helped them as a player back to prominence and then did it again as a coach. Uh, They began the year with a win on the road at Purdue. It was a really good win for them in week one last year. Uh, A three-point, point point win, 31-27, at Purdue. Purdue was a really good team, turned out, bold team. But then three straight losses to finish September for Northwestern. They lost 21-7 to Duke at home. Then they lost to Akron at home, 39-34. Then hosted Michigan, 14th ranked at the time, at the end of last September in a really close game, but lost 20-17. So they started the year 1-3 and three, and then turned it around. They won four in a row. After that, they beat number 20 Michigan State by 10 beat Nebraska in overtime, beat Rutgers. It was not pretty at all, but won it, and then whipped, absolutely whipped, 20th-ranked Wisconsin for their fourth win in a row. So they started the season 1-3. and three. They look up, and they're 5-3 at the midway point of the year. They had a 10-point loss against a, a Notre Dame team ranked in the top five. They won three in a row against Iowa, Minnesota, and Illinois, and then lost the season – you know, finale there against sixth-ranked Ohio State, 45-24. And I guess that would have been your – well, was that your Big Ten championship game? I guess so. And then uh, their bowl game was against a good Utah team that they won that one by 11. So a heck of a year. And you look up, nine wins on the year for them to have that right. Yeah, nine-win season. Uh, so good, good year. They lose a bunch of players on this year's team. Looking at a little bit of a turnaround. The history, though, I don't want to bore you too much with current day um, Northwestern football. When we can, you know, figure that out if it's relevant. The history of Northwestern football is what really uh, interests me. You know, they go all the way back into the 1870s when they began playing some football there at Northwestern, uh, big time academic school up in Chicago. And in the 30s and 40s, they're kind of like everybody else uh, around the country. They started to make it a priority, you know, ups and downs, good years, bad years. You'll remember the name Era Parsegian, who, um, you know, was known as this great coach at Notre Dame in the 60s, 70s. Uh, Ara Parsegian, prior to going to Notre Dame, coached at Northwestern there in Chicago. It was actually, um, you know, pretty good. He finished – with a winning record in, let's see, how many years? Eight years? Eight seasons, I guess, that he coached for um, Northwestern, late 50s, early 60s. But they hit a stretch beginning in the early 70s. And if you look up anywhere you can read about Northwestern football history, it's just called the Years of Futility. You may remember that... You know, in the early 90s, Northwestern football was known as like the worst program in the country. They and Kansas State, ironically, both school colors are purple. Northwestern and Kansas State, the absolute bottom of the barrel in terms of college football. Years of futility from 1972 to 1994. That's a long time. From 1972. To 1994, Northwestern was just uh, horrible, awful. Uh, they they had a winless season in 1980. Um, they made a change after that win, winless season. The president hired um, head coach Rick Venturi. Venturi finished one and 31 in three seasons <laughs> at Northwestern, and. So they make this change. They go uh, get Stanford Offensive Coordinator and see if this name rings a bell. Dennis Green. Yeah, the former NFL coach, right? The Vikings and the Cardinals. They are who we thought they were, that, that Dennis Green. Yes, Northwestern hired Dennis Green from Stanford to replace Venturi. Dennis Green was the first black coach in the history of the Big Ten. He couldn't get it turned around. Um, they were on a path when he got the team of setting a division 1 record for consecutive losses and he was unable to you know keep that from happening they they had a 61 to 14 loss to michigan state that year in 81 it was their 29th loss in a row and it broke the consecutive loss record that they shared with kansas state going back into the 40s I think Virginia was in there somewhere also. So, anyway, you had a long, long period of time uh, when they were just uh, awful. And what happened is they made a hire in 95, Gary Barnett, a name that everybody in college football knew. Barnett was the coach at Colorado when they shared a national championship, I think in 1991 or 90, one of those years anyway. Yeah, and they hired Gary Barnett from Colorado. It was a big deal that he was going to take this job. And in 1995, they had a quarterback named Steve Schnur. They had a running back named Darnell Autry, who you probably remember that name, and and a linebacker on defense who was the leader on that side of the ball named Pat Fitzgerald. And uh, they began the year with a win over Notre Dame, who was in the top 10. They beat Michigan that year, who was in the top 10. They beat Penn State, who was a top 15 team. And that was in 1995, and uh, went and played in the Rose Bowl that year. And they still had, you know, a tough time. but once it came back around to them hiring Pat Fitzgerald in 2006, they've been um, competitive. they've been solid. Uh, they have a bowl win over Mississippi State in the Gator Bowl a few years back, you'll remember. So it's a really interesting history going from just uh, terrible to uh, good. Some some years very good. And, um, you know, you look at their bowl history. They have been to now four straight bowls under Pat Fitzgerald. He took them to a bunch of others. They had a break there in the 13 and 14 seasons. They didn't make the postseason. After they beat State in that Gator Bowl in 2012, they missed the postseason in the next two years. But the last four, uh, they went to the Outback Bowl in 15, lost to Tennessee badly, went to the pinstripe in 2016, beat Pittsburgh. A couple of years ago, went to the Music City, beat Kentucky up there, and then last season, as I told you, they beat Utah in the Holiday Bowl, beat them like a drum. So – um yeah, they've done a really good job of at a place that's hard to recruit to. A really good job of putting a football program together. You know, and um the Big 10 network used to show all those classic games back in the summer long before the SEC network came along. And I used to enjoy watching some of those things and uh it it kind of I don't know, it it puts you um it puts you in the mood for football in July even though it was Big 10, you could turn on those old Big 10 games and, 20, 30 years before even sometimes. And it was entertaining and really glad the sec network came along. Now they can do some of those things. We don't get enough of it, but still we get some of it on that note. I got a list of games. I wish they'd show. I'll tell you what they are next here on the show. I'm Matt in the farm bureau studio. Stick around.